After putting together one of the best conference seasons we have seen in Cream and Crimson, has Trace Jackson Davis played his way into being a first-round pick? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Hoosiers on this great Thursday. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys uh, for making us your first listen every single day. We are your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU athletics. Trace Jackson Davis has flirted with the NBA a couple times, obviously more seriously, Last uh, off season, there were, I would would say part of the reason he came back is because he wasn't seen as a locked on, pun intended, dra- uh, even second round draft pick. He's come back and put together the best season of his career. One of the best seasons we've seen from a Hoosier ever. The end result is that not only is Trace Jackson Davis guaranteed I won't say guaranteed, far more certain to be drafted. There's a chance he might be a first round draft pick. Now you can Google 2023 NBA mock draft and get dozens and dozens and hundreds of results. And so kind of sifting through those is a challenge at time. I pulled a couple from people that, um, I think are well-informed and typically have a pretty good feel, not just on the prospects, but on kind of how the league operates and who uh, teams may be talking to things like that. We are still very early in the process. A lot of this is kind of reactionary to how players are playing. We obviously have to go through the draft process, but my main takeaway from looking at all these drafts is that trace might be a first round draft pick, which is quite the statement from where we were a year ago where he wasn't going to be drafted. And that is why he came back to IU. So let's start with the athletic Sam Vecini, someone I've mentioned a number of times. Uh, he released a mock draft a week ago. Um, he has trace Jackson Davis 39th. There are 30 teams in the uh, draft. There's not 60 picks this year. Philly and Chicago had to forfeit their picks because of tampering and nonsense over there, which I thought was going to hurt Trace Jackson Davis. He's played his way into that not mattering, I, I don't think. But he has him going 39th, which actually is kind of one of the lower ones that we've seen when looking at the uh, some of the mock drafts, hilariously, um, Jalen Hood Shafino is in all these drafts as a first round draft pick. I would be pretty surprised if Jalen Hood Shafino comes back next season, just because somebody who's a locked in first round draft pick hardly ever returns. There are, I mean, it happens from time to time. So I won't simply say it's there's no shot it's going to happen, but it's rare. If you're guaranteed to be a first-round draft pick, 
and you have that first round draft pick money uh, staring you in the eye, you typically don't come back, uh, come back to school and risk any sort of injury, anything like that. Uh, so it is probably far more certain he's gone, but hilariously in this NBA mock draft or in this, the athletic mock draft, both trace and Jalen hood, Shafino go to the Lakers. As I mentioned, trace in the late thirties, Jalen hood, Shafino number 14 to the Lakers, which also one of the higher projections I've seen for him. That's the edge of the lottery. He seems to be someone more maybe in the 20s. Um, And so I don't know that he'll end up being drafted that high. But he's certainly in a first round draft pick range. If you look at Bleacher Report, Trace Jackson Davis is the number 34 pick in Jonathan Wasserman's draft. He's another one that uh, is someone that typically has a pretty good uh, feel on not just the draft prospects, but the league itself. He has, as I said, Trace as the 34th pick. So we're flirting with the edge of the, um, the edge of the first round now at this point. Again, super interesting. Um, it is a, that is as high as anyone has Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, that was surprising to see, but again, it's a testament to how much he's improved. Similarly, uh, well, not similarly, I should say Jalen Huchifino in this one is 18th to the Houston Rockets. Um, that feels more likely in the range of where he may go unless he shows out big in the last couple weeks of the season in the uh, tournaments. Uh, Jay, or Trace Jackson Davis, he was drafted to Philly, so he would be Joel Embiid's backup. A good person to learn from if you're going to play behind a big, and that's an offense built around a guy who posts up a lot. We'll talk a lot more about fit and all that projection stuff after the season's over. I just thought this was an interesting look because really the last time we, we talked about this trace wasn't a draft pick draft express, which is the place that I trust the most. Uh, now Jonathan Gavoni, they haven't released a draft since February 4th. I would imagine that they'll do one right around the NCAA tournament. So we can potentially look then, but even then at the start of February before all of traces wildness, he was projected as the 43rd pick to the Boston Celtics. So you can t- certainly tack on a, a couple more uh, spots and project him to go a little bit higher. Similarly, Jalen Hood Shafino, 20th to the Phoenix Suns. I'm not sure Phoenix even owns that draft pick anymore with Kevin Durant going to. Uh, Phoenix, but 20th, 18th, 20th, kind of around there, I think is the more realistic range for uh, Jalen. But I think late 30s, early 40s is what we're looking at for Trace Jackson Davis, maybe even into the early 30s. Typically, once you get late first round, early second round, all you need is one team to really fall in love with you. And that's, and they'll just go get their guy. 
Uh, interestingly, right now, the Pacers have the 30th pick. Uh, they have the Celtics first round draft pick this year. So maybe Trace stays home and plays for the Pacers. Who knows? I would, I think everybody would love that, but, uh, all it takes is really one team to really fall in love with you. And that will, that could determine you being either the 26th pick or the 43rd pick. There's typically a lot of variance late in the first round, early second round. I wanted to add some Grace Berger WNBA draft stuff into this. There is, or there are few things harder to find than a WNBA mock draft. So there are a couple. There's only 12 picks in the first round. Grace is typically not one of them. She's kind of on the edge. Very interestingly, the first pick of the second round is the Indiana Fever. And many times on mock drafts, I don't know if it's simply a convenience thing, but they uh, project Grace going to the Fever. If Grace goes to the Fever, I'm buying season tickets. And I think that I speak for a lot of people. I will, if they, if she goes to the Fever and actually stays there, unlike what they did with Allie Patberg, I will happily buy season tickets. So maybe as we get closer to the end of the season, there is like very little time between the end of the tournament and the WNBA draft. I think it's like a week. So we won't really have a lot of time to see projections or anything, but Grace seems like someone who will be drafted. Maybe not a first round draft pick though. Let's look at some bracketology. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends at FanDuel. You guys know how much we love our new sponsors at FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season. The NBA actually is back in action tonight. Uh, it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel at official sports or excuse me, an official sports bets betting partner of the NBA. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Also, make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. They have all the experts, the insiders, the coaches, the players, everything around the college basketball landscape. Uh, Locked on college basketball available on YouTube wherever you guys listen to podcasts. It is a wild time for college basketball. I'm recording this late on Wednesday night. The Brandon Miller situation at Alabama is an absolute mess from Nate Oates's comments about it. The fact he's even playing feels wild to me. And then in the game tonight, there was fights in the stands or chanting lock him up. It does not seem like a healthy situation for anyone involved. Uh, I'm sure the guys over at Locked On College Basketball have touched on that, but what a mess of a situation over there. 
Of note, something I forgot to mention before we dive into bracketology. If you guys did not see, over the weekend, Cody Zeller signed with the Miami Heat. If you remember, Victor Oladipo, also with the Miami Heat. So Cody and Vic have been reunited in Miami. If you need an NBA team to root for, for the remainder of the season, tune into the Miami Heat and pretend they're the 2012-13 IU Hoosiers. Let's look at some bracketology. Uh, it should be noted, let's start on the men's side. This was from Tuesday morning. So pre-IU losing to Michigan State was when this one came out. It wasn't a bad loss, so I don't think it'll drastically change what the Hoosier standing is in the tournament. As I mentioned on Tuesday's episode, a lot of teams around the, uh, the Hoosiers lost on Tuesday in terms of around their seed line. So IU is a four seed in this. I don't imagine they would drop much, maybe to a five seed right now. So in this one, IU is a four seed still in the Louisville region. I would be a, I I made my point before that I, that would be a terrific break for the Hoosiers. They would be a four seed against Yale. In the 4-13 matchup, playing, and then if they win that to get to the Sweet 16, they would have to play 5-seed Creighton or 12-seed Kent State. They would be in Alabama's region. Um, I think that Alabama is not going to have neutral fan support after everything that's gone on in the last few weeks, and I also don't think there'd be neutral fans at Louisville. For an IU basketball game. That would be an IU home game. Uh, Alabama, NC State is the 8th seed. Memphis is the nine seed. IU would be uh, the home team in this tournament regardless. Short of literally Louisville playing, maybe Kentucky, uh, IU is going to be the home team. And Louisville and Kentucky are not making the tournament. Uh, the other teams in this bracket... UCLA is your two seed. Virginia is your three seed. Uh, TCU is your six seed. Illinois is the seven seed. I don't think Illinois would get past enough teams to ever meet IU, but that would be a favorable matchup. Nevada, Mississippi, or Nevada and Steve Alford as an eleven seed. Potentially, they're in the play-in game. Uh, so that seems like a pretty favorable uh, bracket. Put IU really with almost anybody and put them in Louisville and assuming they can get to the Sweet 16, I like those chances. Uh, the one seeds are Houston, Purdue, Kansas, and Alabama, as mentioned. Uh, two seeds are UCLA, Texas, Baylor, and Arizona. IU is, I mean, we've talked about this. This is obviously kind of known. The Big Ten's really down. I use a four seed, um, and Purdue was the one seed, and then there's a drop-off after that uh, to the next seed, who is Northwestern at six. So despite Northwestern and how well they're playing, uh, they're still, just resume-wise, do not have as strong of one as the Hoosiers do. We mentioned Michigan, or I don't know if I mentioned, but Michigan State's a seven seed, Illinois is. Maryland is, Iowa's an eight seed, excuse me, Kentucky is an eight seed, 
they're still bad. But if <laughs> this would be a Kentucky-Purdue matchup, and earnestly, I don't know who I'd want to lose more in that one. That would be really tough. Um, that's a lose-lose or win-win situation, depending on how you look at it. You get to make fun of somebody regardless. Rutgers is a nine seed, uh, and that may be all of the Big Ten teams. I think it is because everything – or Wisconsin is an 11 seed as a play-in against USC. So um, I don't think this is a year that they're breaking the Big Ten doesn't have a national champion curse. Purdue is not winning a national championship. Their guard play is not good enough. IU, we talked a lot about the their complete lack of consistency, and I don't think they can do enough between now and the tournament for me to believe that they can play however many consecutive games at a high level without any kind of fall off. So they could do it. Their ceiling's high enough to do it, but I don't know that I trust them to do it. And then after that, you're talking like miracle runs. So not a great look for the Big Ten to snap that national champions curse. On the women's side, there's not a lot to update. IU still clearly a two seed, or the, excuse me, the number two overall seed. So a one seed with South Carolina. Alabama and Ohio, or Oklahoma State would be the 8-9 matchup. All of that would obviously take place in Bloomington. Potential tasty little Arizona rematch in the Sweet 16 in this bracket. Uh, also, Villanova is the four seed. Ohio State is the six seed. Vatek is the three seed. Utah is the two seed. Uh, I like the Hoosiers against everybody in that. I don't, sh- again, I've said this a couple times, short of South Carolina, there isn't a team I don't think Indiana wouldn't be favored against. LSU would be an intriguing matchup, but I think the Hoosiers are better. Um, UConn is not what they were last season. Selfishly, I'd like to play UConn again. It's probably not going to happen until the Final Four. UConn lost. Maybe they drop down to a two seed. Maybe you get them in the Elite Eight. You're projecting a lot from that point, but I just want revenge against UConn. Uh, Stanford is a team the Hoosiers played, I believe last season, a lot of things that it's been a long year. I believe they played them last season in the Bahamas. Um, I, I'd be fine with a rematch there as well. So, and then your other two seeds are Iowa and Maryland who are probably staying as two seeds and LSU who we mentioned. It'd be a fun matchup between McKenzie Holmes and, um, not Diamond Miller. I'm blanking on the LSU's uh, forward that played at Maryland last year, but that would be a fun matchup, but I just think that the Hoosiers are a better team than LSU is. So no matter who is lining up against them, I feel pretty good. This, I, we, If the men's team never brings it and is inconsistent, none of those are things I would use to describe the women's team. So... Angel Reese. I knew it had Reese in it. Angel Reese for LSU. Be a fun matchup with her and McKenzie Holmes. So we'll see how that shakes out. We still have plenty of time before that. Reminder, IU is the outright Big Ten champions. Uh, For no reason. Just wanted to bring that up. Let's look at the men's Big Ten standings. We haven't really done that. It's an absolute mess, but let's try to look ahead, project a little bit. Because the Hoosiers are in a race for a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, which is probably their main concern right now. We'll see how close they are here in just one moment.
as I record, Maryland handled Minnesota, which is not a surprise. Minnesota is 1-15 in the Big Ten this season. Goes to show how frustrating that game was against uh, IU because that, that was almost their second win. Wisconsin is when is about to put the finishing touches on Iowa to move to eight and nine and drop Iowa to nine and eight. That is relevant because there is just a mess of teams that are either nine and seven or 10 and seven right now, all with a chance to, I mean, get as high as the two seed, but realistically they're all playing for the three and four seed short of Northwestern really struggling, uh, which nothing has really indicated they would. Now they do have Maryland at Maryland Rutgers at Rutgers, three of their last four games are on the road. So there's still a chance they could slip up and make this more of a mess, but I'll give them at least right now the benefit of the doubt because they also have some cushion against everybody else. They have two fewer losses than everyone else right now. So what we're looking at as I'm recording IU is the four seed because they are at 10 and seven. And that is they just simply have one more game played and one more win than everybody else. Maryland that win tonight bumped them up to 10 and seven and they have the head to head tiebreaker with IU. So they are the three seed. We mentioned Iowa is about to drop to nine and eight. That's good for Indiana because they do not have the tiebreaker there. And then you have a bunch of other teams. Illinois is nine and seven. Michigan State is nine and seven. Rutgers is nine and seven. Michigan is nine and seven. Uh, IU will play Michigan. They will play Iowa as well. That could getting that win will also help for tiebreaker reasons. But if Iowa has another loss, they're probably not in the running against IU. So just eliminating them from the race entirely will help. Beating Michigan and securing that tiebreaker would uh, really help. But you're looking at uh, what is going to be a, a mess of a race still. If you're looking at Rutgers, they still get to play Minnesota. They get to play Penn State. Uh, they host Michigan and uh, host Northwestern. So not the hardest of schedules, but also they have lost or they lost three straight games to IU, Illinois, and Nebraska before a one point win against Wisconsin. So it's not like they are flying high currently. Uh, you look at Maryland, it would be really convenient if the Hoosiers were facing Maryland again, they are not. So they're going to lose that tiebreaker. So they really need Maryland to lose again and probably multiple times because the chances of IU beating Purdue on Saturday are pretty low. Maryland plays at home against Northwestern and then at Ohio state and at Penn state. So I don't, I'd be surprised if they lost another game in that stretch. Seems right now I, you might be fighting uh, with itself to secure that four seed. The, having the tiebreaker over Illinois will certainly help. Uh, but or splitting with the Michigan State isn't the worst thing in terms of tiebreakers. Winning that last game of the season against Michigan 
could be really important in this race as well. So I haven't really talked about the Big Ten standings because they are a damn mess. Uh, but with three games left, like every one of these games is important for a number of reasons. It's also why winning at Michigan State last night would have been really big because you secure that tiebreaker and you would be alone in third with, uh, I mean, you could realistically catch Northwestern. Now you're just battling for third and fourth, I think. So also, I don't know how much all this matters because IU sucks in the Big Ten tournament traditionally anyway. They didn't last season, but uh, it sure would be nice to get that double buy and a potentially easy, I don't want to say easier opponent necessarily, but just having that extra rest. We saw how much it killed Indiana last year to have to win a number of games in a row and then go to the playing game and go across the country. Some of that's going to be taken out just by how well Indiana played, but get the double by not having to do the play in game, all of that. I mean, we saw how exhausted trace looked the less games you can play right now, the better giving him more time to rest and this team more time to rest, the better. So secure that double buy in the coming weeks or in the coming week, really. I think that's going to be IU's uh, main focus. We'll kind of keep updated, keep an eye on that, and see where the Hoosiers stand when it comes to the Big Ten standings. But um, it's not great in, unless they somehow pull out a win against Purdue and Mackey because you kind of pencil in a loss there and things could get kind of hairy depending on how other results shake out. That Again, that Michigan game at the end of the season is going to be a really important one, I think. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to preview both the IU-Purdue game and the IU-Iowa women's game over the weekend. For your second listen, check out our brand-new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. If you're still listening, give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. Pleases those algorithm gods, and we know how much algorithms are important and whatnot. And plus, I really greatly appreciate everyone who does it. As always, though, guys, we're almost to the end of the week. I hope you guys survive through this Thursday. And most importantly, LEO.